questions tonight? Chakravarti picks up where Jiva Goswami and he explains further that there's a devotees whose ideal is worship of Radha Krishna but they're still worshipping according to the Vaidhi Marg so therefore Krishna has this special area of Vrindavan or I'm not a, I'm sure not quite sure that's stated properly but he has an area called Golok versus Gokul which is more sweet but still, um, my question is, are all the Babas, the Madhurya, Sakya Babas, available in Gokul, in, in Golok, as opposed to Gokul? And I'm trying to understand how this con- different concepts in the world. Mm-hmm. So the question is first about Rag Bhakti versus Vaidhi Bhakti. So Bhakti, of course, comes from the Sanskrit uh, verbal root uh, Bhaj to worship, to give and take, really, it implies. Um, uh, or the giving that uh, constitutes taking, or receiving, I should say, to give and receive. So the giving that constitutes uh, the full sense of receiving. And um, that said, it is so because it is uh, devotion, love, centered on the an object of love that has the capacity to reciprocate unlimitedly. <clears throat> that said, uh, there are two basic types of this God-centered uh, devotion. And, uh, of course, that center, I should mention, is, is Krishna or Vishnu, any of the Vishnu forms of the Godhead, according to the sacred texts of the Hindus. So, within bhakti, then, there are divisions. Vaidhi bhakti and rag bhakti. And vaidhi means rules, and rag means uh, the way one moves out of attachment, which is without thinking, so to speak. We we spontaneously move in the direction of what we're attached. We don't make a plan to do so, necessarily. Um, We're drawn. Um, So, there are these divisions of, of, of worship. One is a calculated type of worship. The calculation is very high. The calculation is, Krishna is God, Vishnu is God, therefore I should worship him. It's kind of a dutiful type of love. And rag bhakti is a type of love that's not driven by reason, by duty, but just... Uh, 
spontaneity, by by uh, the force of attraction, taste, and so on. So to acquire this taste that drives that type of bhakti is, is not easy to acquire. One of the uh, commentators on Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu Mukunda Goswami says that the, to acquire the taste, which is gives you eligibility to tread that <clears throat> path of attachment to God, if you will, is more difficult than to attain bhava or ecstasy on the path of regulative, rule-based, duty-based bhakti. So, while it's said that progress in a path driven by attachment is more rapid than progress in a path driven out of duty and calculation, to tread the path, to have the eligibility to, to, to embark upon the path, is not so easy. That said, there is also what we might call the birth of, 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 of that attraction, and then there's the maturity of that attraction. Attraction. So, um, there is the possibility of treading the path of attraction without much attraction, but having been attracted to someone who is so spontaneously attracted is the birth of the, the, the taste that drives that type of, of bhakti. And so, and there's a way to, to cultivate that such that it will mature. Hmm? An example sometimes given to help us understand the two types of bhakti. There is a mother who loves her child and takes care of her child, and there's the babysitter who takes care of the child. They both do the same thing. The babysitter is very dutiful, doing it because she should do it, because it's her job, it's the right thing to do, baby should be taken care of, and so on and so forth. But she doesn't do it with the same type of spontaneity that the mother does. Hmm. Again, to derive that, to acquire that kind of spontaneity is, seems like a high thing in, in, in itself. So, how is it acquired then? There's only one way it is described in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu by the association of persons who have that. Hmm? Then it becomes, uh, it's, it's somewhat contagious, if you will. And as it rubs off on us, as impressions for that type of bhakti enter into our citta, the subtle organ of perception in the yogic uh, description of the subtle body, their impressions are stored. Vrittis come like waves and they cause impressions, samskars, which then inform our action. Hmm? Um, and so, if we have the right this type of association with those type of devotees, with that type of lineage, then we're going to get impressions, samskars, for that type of bhakti. So there's going to be a birth for that type of bhakti, if you will. And um, and then, as I say, there's a way to cultivate that. And each of these has a different uh, transcendental result. One, the rules-based or duty-type or motivated love is a love in awe and reverence. The Godhead in Hinduism, therefore, Vishnu is depicted as four-handed and, and obviously different and godly and overtly transcendental. Krishna, on the other hand, is depicted as two-handed, human-like, which will foster love, 
other than reverential love. It can foster love like humans have or try to express for one another. Friendly love, uh, parental love, um, romantic love. Hmm? Obviously, within the human sector, these types of love are more powerful, for the most part, than reverential love. So we only go to church on Sunday, but every day of the week we, we love our kids. We, we may think about our girlfriend at church, even, uh, and, and, uh, and so forth. So uh, you, you have the Greek agape, godly worship, and then you have the eros, which is mundane. But here we have a transcendental form of eros corresponding with an object of love, a form of the Godhead that facilitates that kind of love and intimacy, hmm? which is powerful hmm? and, and creates or bridges the gap, if you will, between the object of worship and the worshiper. Hmm? The gap is we have the worshiper, the, the object of worship, the Godhead, and then the worship but in friendly love for God, in romantic love for God, in parental love and so forth, this gap is bridged, and so there's a unity, hmm? a greater sense of unity between the divine and, and the individual self. It's not, a, not a, a monistic kind of unity that cancels each one out into just one pulsating consciousness, if you will, but um, a unity of, that, that's possible um, for example, within love, where you and I become we. When we are in love, we're a unit, we're, we're a third thing. There's you and I, and then there's we. It's a dynamic kind of union. Both you and I exist, but I possess your heart for my own, you possess my heart for your own. So this kind of union with the divine, that makes for a kind of reciprocal dealings with the absolute and love, of course, will be measured on a scale of its re- reciprocity. Mm-hmm. So, this is the idea behind the 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 um, Krishna form of Godhead within the Hindu pantheon. You have all the different faces of the Godhead: partial faces, the Godhead, powerful faces. Uh, uh, representing the, uh, the, uh, the deity behind different forces in the world, behind the world itself, um, uh, a form, as I'm saying, as I said earlier, for worshiping reverentially and so forth. So uh, many, many, and if we study them carefully, all the, 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 the deities, the, 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 how they're depicted in art and music and, and graphically and so on and so forth, what they carry, what they wear, and so forth, they all, they all obviously mean something, represent something. So Krishna, the form of Krishna, represents the heart of the Absolute. Hmm? And he's lost in, in, the, in the love of his devotee. The, lo- the devotee loves him so much with such power of, uh, like a friend loves a friend, like a lover loves a beloved, that he's conquered by that, so to speak, or overwhelmed by that which causes this kind of unity. The very idea of, the very audacious kind of idea of knowing God on an intimate basis, if the God is the, is the, let's say, the consciousness source of everything, we may be conscious, but, consciousness, but we're just a tiny spark of that. 
Therefore, the fact that we are, we doubt sometimes. We think we're a brain, maybe. Hmm? <laughs> Just if it's a physical matter. Um, so we're, we, 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 we may be, in, in fact, from the yoga perspective, ontologically superior to physical to things and, and, and mental to thoughts, but we're wrapped up in thoughts and, and things. So our smallness is evidenced by our present uh, predicament. Hmm? Um, and so to, for a spark of consciousness to relate intimately with the fire, if you will, as if it was a spark, it would have to become like a spark. Because if I, as a finite, let's say a finite or infinitesimal atma, unit of consciousness, am going to meet with the the infinite consciousness, if that meeting is to be one of intimacy, then the infiniteness is going to have to somehow be suppressed or disguised, otherwise it's not going to be possible to have intimacy. Hmm? So it's a philosophical uh, point here. The, the, the closer the finite comes to the infinite, the more it's going to feel inf- finite. Oh my God, you're going to be have pushed back, so to speak, by what the infinite means is. So, Krishna, the idea here is that the infinite assumes, by the power of bhakti itself, a, uh, a, a form that is finite-like in appearance for the sake of intimacy with the finite. It's a very beautiful idea. So, this is the Krishna idea hmm? uh, within the uh, the gods and goddesses of Hinduism. So the question is about uh, attaining the intimacy with that form of God and the fact that there are somewhere in between these two uh, divisions that I've talked about, the reverential love of God and love and intimacy, there's some kind of in-between, there's a range so on the one hand, you have this reverential love of God. On the other hand, you have this love of God that's so powerful that God himself is, is, forgets his godhood hmm, by the power of, of, of that love. So these two ends of the spectrum, within transcendence and then range within. And you're asking about the range within as it's described in some of the texts. Hmm? You've mentioned two um, Uh, areas, if you will, realms, possibilities within that. One is the, you have this realm of, of, of awe and reverence, and then you, uh, it, sometimes referred to as vaikuntha, that means without anxiety, something like that, freed from anxiety. Then there's the, the Krishna realm that's sometimes referred to as, as Mahavaikuntha, the great vaikuntha, or another more intimate name is Goloka, Goloka. Go, go means like cows. Cows are those um, that uh, animal species that uh, very much complements the human society, who can be readily do- domesticated. The result of which is, if done properly, is good for the cow. Protected by the human, doesn't have to struggle in the wild anymore with predators and so on and so forth. And um, and she then gives her milk. Hmm? Good for the human society. The bull then can 
was in previous ancient times that uh, domesticated animal that enabled humanity to move from hunting and gathering to agriculture by tilling the fields. Hmm? So civilization, so the cow, the domestication of the cow, it's not clear whether humans domesticated the cow or cows domesticated the humans, but in one sense that's the beginning of of agrarian culture, civilization, and so forth. Hmm? Uh, so the, the cow, of course, what does it take to take care of her? Primarily it takes grass, which we know grows in between the cracks of the concrete even. I mean, it's not hard to grow grass, is the implication. So for a little grass, then she gives a very uh, valuable commodity, and the bull as well. Hmm? And, uh, of course, then they're protected as well in a modern society. If it's done properly, they're, they're given medicine if needed and cared for just like part of the family. It used to be in times past in India and in China as well that the cows would sleep in the house hmm? because they would also provide heat. Hmm? Being a large body mass, there would be a room, you know, for the cow that... Uh, um, and so, so some intimacy there. So the idea, of course, in in the depiction of this realm of transcendence and love and intimacy is that it's called Goloka, the place of cows. It means that it, Krishna, Gopal is his name, protector of the cows. He protects the cows and the cows simply give. The implication is, well, what, if I simply give, who will protect me? And the answer is Gopal and the cows are the answers. Hmm. Um, or the, the evidence uh, of this. Um, the uh, the place is said to be uh, like surrounded by a, a moat, of uh, like an ocean of milk. The cow's milk is thought to be a, a uh, 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 liquid affection, right? The cow hears, sees the calf, then she has it, uh, lets down her milk then it can come out of the way she can hold it back. You can force it by giving her oxytocin and, and so forth, but then you wouldn't want to drink it. <laughs> hmm? Because it, how she feels, what her temperament is, and so on and so forth, with the giving that will co- go into the mill and so on. So, so anyway, it's called Golok, Krishna's realm, place of cows. Hmm? You have to swim through across an ocean of affection to uh, to get there. <clears throat> But it's a big place, and it's been described um, in the literature, in the tantric literature, where you have uh, um, mantras and symbols, just like we have an altar, or a certain altar, or a certain set of deities, and they're worshipped in a particular way, certain mantras at certain times, and so on and so forth. And the mantras have also graphic uh, depictions we call yantras that can be drawn. You can draw out the mantra, have a visual of it, and so forth. So the Golok has a yantra. Hmm? It's shaped like a lotus. The center is a place called Gokul. And this center is that abode where the intimacy is at its peak, where Krishna, the Godhead, has been so consumed by uh, the measure of devotion that he has forgotten himself, he's forgotten that he's God, which makes it possible for him to be just a, a pal, if you will or a lover, or something like that. It's very peculiar and interesting, I should say, religious idea. Hmm? 
Um, so that's that said. Outside of the whirl or the center of the lotus, there are these petals, right? Mm-hmm. And they represent different possibilities within Goloka. It has three basic locations. It has the Gokul. It has what's called Mathura. It has Dwaraka. Mm-hmm. So, and, 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 and these represent different leelas of Krishna, different expressions of Krishna that correspond with different types of bhakti. Mm-hmm. So in Mathura, you will find this spontaneous devotion mixed with a little bit of the other regulative, uh, duty-bound devotion. So the sense that Krishna's God there is more prominent than in Gokul. When you get to Dwarka, the larger metropolitan realm for Leela, then they know that Krishna is God there, but they think it's incredible that we live with him like this. And he's got a palace and so forth. And he performs different Leelas and, and so on. So there, the sense that he's God is powerful, uh, prominent, and the wonder that he uh, hangs out with us as if he's not at times is 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 uh, staggering. At the other end of the spectrum, within this Golok, you have they hear that he's God, but they say, "So what?" or something like this. Like a, if a mother finds out that her you know, that her son became the president and he wants to bring her out on the stage and thank her, so she runs out and says, "Donald." <laughs> and then he tweets, you know, <laughs> something about his mom. <laughs> so the idea that the president, you know, that he's a president, just like, yeah, people say that it may be true, but you're just my son, something like that. So this is the the power of their love that it makes the godhood of Krishna seem like a secondary thing, which would, if it came into play, distance them from him. So. That said, um, according to our approach, right, and the approach is different in different lineages within within the Vaishnava schools of Vedanta, of which there are four, there are different uh, possibilities or windows of opportunity within transcendence that they afford. Hmm? Um, so, for example, you take the uh, Ramanuja Sampradaya; it's basically a a a on reverence uh, school for bhakti, mm-hmm. and the typical attainment is that reverential realm. But the Alwars, who were the mystic poets that that the tradition ar- arises out of it in the modern world, which well, I wouldn't really call it the modern world, more the ancient world, but um, it um, the, some of the Alwars in their poems, prayers, and so forth, we find. A, a love like like the queens of Krishna in the metropolitan Leela in Dwarka who love him as as their king mm-hmm. and so that is that that type of love is a mixture in the culture of bhakti between this spontaneous love and the reverential love mm-hmm. it's a mixture so if we mix rag with vaidhi bhakti like the Alwars, as the higher end of the Ramanuja Sampradaya, you can attain uh, an experience like the queens of Dwarka. Hmm? Now you're asking about another idea, which is 
uh, Vaidhi Bhakti for Radha and Krishna, which is typically Swakya. In the Swakya, Swakya means married, so this is a realm in which Radha and Krishna are married. In the Gokul, that center of the world, Lotus, they're not married. They're not married, which means there's some excitement in there because they try to meet at different times and then there are obstacles and so forth. And this makes the love very in, in, intense. And the Leela, is, that's kind of the center theme of the drama of the Leela. There are, there's opposition to it. There are supporting people, messengers, and, and lots of intrigue and so forth. Hmm? And, um, and so you can... It, it just, it's just a way of talking about it. Uh, obviously, the, uh, this... Uh, um, if you're involved in a, you know, in, in a rendezvous somehow as a supporter or whatever, it's a very consuming type of thing. You have to be very careful not to get caught and and so forth. A lot of attention is there, uh, paying attention and so forth. So, so at any rate, there's a, there's a possibility of attaining vaidhi bhakti for Radha and Krishna. So then, that means that they they have they're they're married lila swakya. And that's one one of the petals of the of the lotus. Your question is if there are other types of love there, like friendly love in that region, parental love in that region. So, well, the Goswamis haven't talked about that. Um, and it, I'm not an expert on the Nimbarka lineage, but it's similar to something in the Nimbarka lineage because they don't accept. They, they they don't they they aspire to attain a realm where parakia or the unmarried love is is not taking place, hmm? and they want to become like like a like a sucky like a like a like some type of female friend of Krishna's, but they they're worshiping Radha and Krishna in, in, in as as married. Now, in that realm, there's nothing else going on. In the Nimbarka explanation of that experience, there's no, there's no other supporting leelas or anything like that. Hmm? So, um, point being here is this, we can only talk about this as kind of a linear way, but it's like multidimensional, and um, uh, you could enter into one aspect of one leela forever in a particular bhava, so there are there are different uh, possibilities, but um, uh, I would I would look at that uh, area that you were reading about and you're questioning about as something like uh, the Nimbarkis seek to attain, where there is whether it is exactly what they are after. I can't say for sure, but where there is no other supporting roles going, which is of course what makes the central world of the Brajlila, everything that it is, all those supporting roles are necessary for the parakya. Mm-hmm. Hmm? They wouldn't be ne- necess- necessary, perhaps, in the type of uh, love of God you're, you're speaking about. And so there's a place for the sakya, the vatsalya, the friendly, and the, and, the, and the parental love, and so forth. And they're very important. It's part of the whole scene uh, if you have a, a central theme, a hero and a heroine, you need supporting actors and different roles and uh, possibilities. So it's more, f- from our perspective, it's more full, hmm? if you will. More full, transcendentally more full, more complete 
more, more, more fully played out the humanness of it and the possibility of, of intimacy. What do you think? Yeah? It's pretty true. Right. Where does Vrindavan fit into Vrindavan is another name for the center of the lotus that I'm talking about. Gokul. Gokul. Kul. Gokul means family. Go means so. So it's, it's, it's the way of intimate way I was speaking. But Vrindavan is, is another name for that area. Brinda means, Brinda is a, is a, is a, is a, a name for Tulsi, the plant, sacred basil of India. So it's, it's, there's a huge forest there. You can go there today, forest of this, um, this Tulsi or Brinda. So Brindaban, Ban means forest. Hmm? Brindaban, Brindaban. So same. That's our ideal. So we've been touched in our lineage by that ideal. And there's a history of it, of great teachers over centuries promoting that, experiencing that, sharing that, and and the possibilities that we have been offered in our lineage to attain there, to attain that abode as a friend of Krishna or as a um, as a a handmaiden of of Radha, Krishna's consort, who assists intimately in bringing the couple uh, secretly together, something like that. That's mm. a complex uh, subject. But does that help? I wanted to bring John into it a little bit, so I expanded the discussion. Um, that this uh, it's a rather uh, difficult question to answer when the audience is mixed and some are more informed and some are less informed but we try to talk about it in such a way that everyone is, gets something from it. What else? Any other question? Yes? Um, so I'm about to go back into the world again. <laughs> back to school. <laughs> give me some advice for, to keep my son in up until I come back again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's a good question in a sense because there's nothing that can help us in our practice better than sadhusanga having association with saintly persons who are similarly um, like-minded, affectionate towards us. Um, that's very powerful. Uh, it's uh, it makes the spiritual practice, which in your stage is like medicine. Um, Almost like food, hmm. easy to do. Hmm. There will come a stage where the medicine turns into food, and you don't think. I guess I should chant. Did I chant now? Should I should chant now? Like you think. Did I take my medicine? I better take my medicine. You don't think like that when you think. When is lunch? When is lunch? You don't think. Hmm, I forgot lunch. Did I? Didn't I forget? Did I take lunch or not? You know? <laughs> You might think like that about your medicine, but you won't think like that about your lunch. So, so before attaining that stage, where you can become really good association for others, if you will, then association with uh, 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 advanced devotees and, and peers as well, um, and with and also with um, those who may be less advanced, but in a sangha, because all of them will help you. More advanced devotees will help you by instruction. So your peers will help you by 
being able to discuss with them and exchange experiences and so forth. And those who are less advanced will be helpful to you because they may ask you questions. And then when you speak about the teaching yourself, um, you hear yourself talking about it, you think, I, I really should be following this. It's coming out of my own mouth now. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's powerful, the, uh, the Sangha. That's so why we have uh, facilities like this so devotees can come. Um, and, um, and so when you're going to leave the Sangha for um, school, for example, in your case, it's, it's a good question. What can you do? How can you re- replace the power of that atmosphere? And of course, the idea is to try to create that type of atmosphere wherever you are. And it's a difficult thing to do um, in the world today comparatively for example, to the times past in India when um, you know everybody was vegetarian, for example, and everybody um, um, when I first went to Calcutta in nineteen seventy two everyone was wearing white hmm, um, which was a, is which is now considered if you're religious, you wear that but now you go to Calcutta. Nobody's if somebody wearing white, they stand out like a, like a, like this white cloth, like 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 you like you, uh, and they stand out like a like a um, they stand out. Hmm? Um, so things have changed, of course. Um, but um, point being, even in your regular life, if you will, let's say married life, household life, family life, or student life outside of the ashram. There was a lot of support, hmm? so especially in the Western world, there's, there's practically no support that way to create our own support. Hmm. Of course, you go to school not not too far from Saragraha, one of our projects there, and on the east coast in Asheville. So I would recommend going there as often as possible on, on weekends uh, to get get association. And um, that will be very helpful. Otherwise, um, in another sense, the the real um, what it really means to associate with saintly people. There's a saying that if you go to a place of pilgrimage, but you don't hear from the saints there and get instruction from them, then you haven't really gone there. Hmm? You've gone there to. You've taken a bath in the Holy River, but, you know, animals are doing that every day. So there's no difference. But you're a human being. You have the chance to hear some philosophy, some theologies. uh, And if you didn't take advantage of that, then you went there, but you didn't really go there. So in in another sense, the essence of being here is to hear the, the teachings, like we have sessions like this at night and so forth. And, of course, they're recorded. So... Um, the reason they're recorded is to help you when you go to school <laughs> so that you can, if you take a regular diet of that, like here you live, you come in the evening for this, so you make time in the evening or whenever for, for hearing the, the classes. Classes are, you can almost like be your proxy, you know, because you, you know what it's like and you hear next night they're talking about this and the next question and your mind goes here and so forth. So we have to take advantage of the ways in which we've tried to extend the uh, um, ashram experience to those who can't uh, stay in the ashram through the, through the recorded classes, through there's some forums on the internet where people, where the devotees can discuss and so forth, this type of thing, exchange um, 
experiences with, with, with others and photos of you know their experiences. So this is, you have to take advantage of those um, opportunities. We have a phone call on Sundays, a conference call. Anybody can call in and ask questions, and I answer the questions. So all those things are there to try to extend the uh, the experience here um, to other parts. And um, so take advantage of, of, of that on the one hand. And... Um, and choose your own associations um, carefully, because whom we associate with is is uh, what we'll be like. So uh, you're 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 in school, and it should be a place of introspection, and learning. But it tends to be a party place too. So. Um, you know, I wouldn't be intimidated by the fact that you're philosophically inclined, spiritually inclined, in a very serious way, and uh, someone might think, you know, you're not hip or loose enough or something like that. I wouldn't be intimidated by that type of um, uh, intimidation, uh, that, that type of vibe or what not, because... Uh, uh, you should be wise enough to, to see the folly in in that and how um, in a way it's it's a pity that people even people's parents spend money for kids to go to school and and they don't often take advantage of it and um, to the extent that they should even materially some do mostly foreign students in the United States <laughs> Who <laughs> know better the opportunity and take advantage of it? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Take advantage of the facilities that we've created to to recreate uh, or extend the uh, experience here. Um, books to read; they can be reread. There's so much there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you find teachable moments where where people ask you about yourself, like well, you know, what do you, what's the, what are those beads? Where did you get those things from? Then you can share a little bit, and you'll find it when you share what you're about. Um, that's an art to do that because where do you begin, right? And but it's consuming to try to do that, so it will absorb your mind. Hmm? And spiritual practice, in essence, is about absorbing the mind. So sadhana, or spiritual practice, it could be any number of things, but it's to absorb the mind in a spiritual way. So we have set forms of sadhana that are very powerful. We have evidence over centuries of the power of them, but um, the essential idea behind it is yena, tena, prakarena, manakrishna, nivesha. Somehow or other, absorb your mind in Krishna thought of Krishna so there may be other ways but anyway but these are powerful so I wouldn't neglect them the hearing chanting and so forth but the this is the essence of, of what the sadhana is to absorb the mind and so you know Arjuna asks Krishna in the, in the Gita how, how you've taught me about yoga but it seems like it's all about controlling the mind con- controlling 
the the subtle body, which will then affect, in due course, the the, um, the physical body. Hmm? Um, so fine, but Arjun says the mind is like the wind, and it's pretty difficult to control it. As we've seen, it's been windy for the last couple of days. It blew over the greenhouse, so it's pretty difficult to control the wind. He said, I think it's like that. So it's a great idea, but good luck. How do I do that? And Krishna doesn't say, oh, no, it's easy. He says, yeah, you're right, it's hard. That's what he says. He says, yeah, you're right about that. It's not so easy. But, he says, it is possible with... With by practice and detachment. So one thing is the practice, right? The other thing is the detachment. So we practice the things that are favorable for for bhakti, and things that are unfavorable, we give those up. Hmm? two-sided, if you will. So practice and detachment. To give another example, if you're ill, then the doctor may prescribe fasting and then eating a little bit. So foregoing certain things that, let's say you sit to, sit to chant your, your japa on your, on your mala in the morning then you find your mind wandering to certain things. Then you had to think while you're chanting your japa, I did those things, How much? what did they do for me? How did they help me practically? They're hindering my japa. Were there something I had to do in terms of what I'm doing here right now that would be useful for me, which is important in my spiritual life because for you, for example, you're a student, you feel... You're not ready to be a monastic. That's not your calling. Um, and so you need an education so that you can get a job, so that you can have a family and practice in that context. And so what you're doing is is what you need to do emotionally and materially, kind of horizontally, in order to grow vertically. Hmm? For other people, it will be different. So you're going to school. is not divorced from this is material life and this is spiritual life, when properly understood. Hmm? So you're there for a purpose. So the yogi will be will be focused. I'm here for a purpose, and I'm going to get straight A's and whatever, and I'm going to, you know, like this. And that's what I'm here for now. Now you have to look and see that if the things that come on your mind besides Krishna when you chant that make it difficult to focus your mind on, this, on the mantra are things that are essential in terms of what you're do, supposed to be doing there, providing the horizontal foundation for the vertical growth or if there are things that, that are not essential and and they didn't help you to do what you're supposed to be doing there and they're certainly not helping you with your japa because they're on your mind now. Hmm? Um, so then you see, then you calculate, I wasted my time. Hmm? I did that. What do I get out of it? A little, I got a little something out of it. I, of course, everybody needs some fun too, you know, so... Recreation is required also in order to feel mentally balanced. That's a fact. But one has to see that the, that the measure of one's recreation, for example, uh, isn't such that, that it 
that, that it's excessive and and all I really get out of it is some some a moment of whatever pleasure of that recreation and but I carry with me the thoughts that now impede my 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 japa um, so it depends how focused you want to be and how, how well you can work with that you could you could like check out the news and all the politics and so forth it can be exciting and so forth. you won't change anything hmm? And when you chant your japa, that's probably what will be on your mind. And you have to think, was that worthwhile? You know, I found a, this, that bit of information, and tomorrow it'll be different. And each day it'll sound like something's about to happen, and it's going to be big. Hmm? And it's just the same, the whole thing keeps happening again and again. The war keeps going on, that's all. Struggle, struggle for, there's hunters and hunted. And just different ways of talking about it. As if, to, as if, as if there's more going on than what there is. Hmm? You got to look at essentially what's going on and think, well, can we explain in a couple, you know, in a paragraph? Hmm? And news is entertainment, so <laughs> it's, a, it's an entertainment business. So to play it out and this and that, let's make it bigger and, and so forth. So, I mean, you can't cut yourself off from the world in a weird way, and you know, unless if you're a monastic, you, you naturally do that. That's your calling. Hmm? But you, you do have to see um, how much you do in your daily life and become preoccupied with carries over into your japa. Hmm? And you may find you may start to you look at it like you may start to find things that you know I didn't need to do that. It really was a waste of time. Here I am thinking about it. I can't get it off my mind. So I'm not, I won't do that again. We'll bother with that. So you can kind of hone your your involvement in the world gradually in that way. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. I gave you a serious answer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you said that uh, uh, a yogi, uh, a good yogi, experiences the happiness and sufferings of others as his own. It, it seems like. This, you know, this is like beyond every single psycho, you know, everything that psychology, you know, self-help books have. To, it's beyond all of that. So, so it's good to do yoga. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's way beyond. Yeah, I think I wrote about it in the study I found in, uh, in Sacred Preface. Um, you know, you 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 can try to. Psychologically, to get closer to people, understand. You know, I, I want to understand you. Why do you, you know? I could say, "Hey, why are you depressed? It's a sunny day." You know, or I can try to enter into how you think and feel and why for you it's cloudy, even though it's sunny, right? So to be empathetic means it, 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 I have to enter into your experience, experience it to some extent myself. Hmm? So we can try to do this with one another as humans, hmm? uh, but n- then the task is extended. How are you going to do it with animals? Okay, then there's people that try to communicate with animals, and, you know, so on and so. What now? You got to do with the bugs? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, yoga is properly understood is a different approach to getting close to other people. Even while on the surface, it has an appearance of moving away from people. Hmm? 
right? Because to do yoga, you have to sit quietly, you have to remove yourself, you have to close your eyes, so to speak, right? Hmm? Sit quietly, there's some stepping away, but that stepping away is actually a step closer to what living beings are about, with the ground of their being that they stand on, becoming acquainted with that, then you can really, truly be empathetic for all living beings because you can experience uh, their suffering as if it was your own. Hmm. So then this is the baseline. You know, we talk about entering into these leelas with Krishna and so forth. That's a higher idea of love than compassion. That's the baseline of love, and it's huge. So that arises after and out of, in one sense, universal compassion to arrive at that. And there are symptoms for that also. We can see here's a, here's a sadhu, a saintly person. Hmm? What other possibilities, invisible possibilities, he or she may experience? That's another thing. Hmm? But it should show up in this way. But yeah, she, people should do yoga. It's a fact. I mean, yoga, sadhana, sadhana or spiritual practice, serious spiritual practice that's ego-effacing is the one practice in the world that is directly focused at the thing that everybody wants their kids to be. Be kind to other people, be, you know, whatever it is, you, you, you want them to, uh, to be happy, to be good, good persons. Uh, uh, there are different disciplines for that on, to, on different levels. Yoga is like, a, like, you serious about that? Here, do yoga. Hmm? Whoa, not that much. I don't want to be that good, or <laughs> whatever. So it's it's uh, it's it's uh, yeah it's uh, you know if you want, you want your kids to see be not to be racist, not to be sexist, not to be um, homophobic, or these these type of ideas that are ideas about being more uh, closer to other people and understanding their experiences, being able to empathize with them, how they're seeing the world differently from their vantage point and come closer together. That's what these ideas are about, right? Mm -hmm. So, those who want to be like that, others to be like that, yeah, yoga's about that Mm -hmm. on a really deep level. You got it. All right, what's the time? We'll stop there. Sri Sri Daji Gopal Ki Jai. Gauri Vaishnav Guru Parampara Ki Jai. Or Bhakti Bhandi Ki Jai. Premanandi.